0: Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 169 and I'm delighted to welcome back onto the podcast for this episode the lead academy sports scientist at Bournemouth, um, under 9s to under 16 sports scientist Jordan Tyra. Jordan's not been on the podcast since way back in December 2018. We speak a lot and it feels like he's been on the podcast more than what he actually has so it was great to get him back on. I thought it'd be really good in this podcast to go through his journey and, and dive into some of the um, things that have happened along the way that have, uh, have led to decisions that he's made with certain roles and some of the challenges that he's faced, because I think it's really beneficial. So we spoke about um, his decision to go into the private sector. He We spoke about some lessons that he took from working privately with, with athletes and, and clients as well. And then we spoke about his decisions to go back into football. What was the what was attractive for him? What led to that decision of coming out of running a business where he was getting busier, um, and going back into full time football that he'd previously left? We we also spoke about the initial work that he's done and the approach that he's taken going into this new role at Bournemouth as well. So we covered quite a lot in this episode. It'll be great to hear from you on this one as well. Just let me know. Um, some of the takeaways you take away from this episode because I think we cover some stuff that can be quite relevant for practitioners whether that is looking at going into the private sector whether that is looking at different jobs um, and some decisions you have to make on what role that you take and what you're looking for in that role I think there was some good takeaways in terms of that that Jordan covered so let us know what you think about this one just before we get into the episode. We are going to be, hopefully in the next episode, in episode 170, we're going to be confirming at least one networking event coming up for 2022. Um, we are having a few issues at the moment just getting things um, put in place just because of obviously restrictions and things like that, but we do hope to get some dates and venues and speakers confirmed as soon as possible so just keep an eye out for that hopefully the next episode we will have a few a few more bits of information on that and as always please give this show a share with as many people as possible friends family colleagues the audience is growing all the time but i really appreciate everyone helping and um, spreading it far and wide this episode is sponsored by Black Box Fitness. Black Box are the world's best training equipment, accessory, and apparel brand. Black Box believes that training isn't just a checkbox on your to-do list. Training is a lifestyle. Continually seeking your highest performance in the gym, on the pitch, at home, and in everyday life. To perform at your best, you need to you need the best, and Black Box has you covered. Be sure to follow them at Black Box Fitness on social media, and that is at BLK Box Fitness. So go and give those guys a follow. They've been really supportive with everything we've done in terms of the podcast, but also the networking events. And our second sponsor on the podcast is Rezzel. So go and check Rezzel out. Rezzel is the world's leading cognitive training platform for sport. By using VR technology, Rezzle and Player22 can create game style scenarios and recreate pressure to help you prepare for the real thing. So go and give the guys at Rezzle a follow as well, at Rezzle over on Twitter and on Instagram too. So big thank you to our sponsors and let's get into the episode now. Episode 169 with Academy, Lead Academy Sports Scientist, Under 9s to Under 16s at Bournemouth, Jordan Tyra. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 169 and I'm delighted to welcome back onto the podcast for a long, long time. Far too long. Jordan Tyra. How are we, Jordan?
1: I'm good, mate. Yourself? Thanks for having me back. It does feel like a long, long time. You're right, yeah.
0: I feel a bit embarrassed it's been that long, to be honest. December 2018.
1: Now A lot has happened. A lot has happened in that time as well, yeah.
0: A lot has happened and we've had a lot of conversations that should have probably been recorded as podcasts. podcast. Um, and we'll have to bear that in mind going forward because there's hopefully been a bit of value in some of those conversations as well. Yeah. Now I know what's gone on in that time, but for anyone that listened way back to episode nine, do you want to yeah. give a little bit of a, let's go right back anyway before that, do you want to give a bit of background on yourself and up to current role?
1: Yeah, of course. We'll um, try and keep it as brief as possible. Um, but, I think similar to a lot of people in these kind of roles nowadays, we we all like um, started at uni, wanted to do sports science. I think when I realized it wasn't going to be a, a football career for me as a professional footballer or even a semi-professional footballer, it was like, what's next? Um so for me it was kind of coaching. Um so that was kind of my goal. Um, but at the same time, I was I was quite good at science at school, I did well in biology and things like that at my A level. So I kind of thought, oh, sports science seems seems the right fit for me. Um but as I started uni, i just taught my ACL as well. So it was a bit of a long process of not being able to play. So it just made a logical step for me, right, what's the next thing to do? Coaching. So I started coaching. Um, that was my background in terms of the technical stuff. Um, but then kind of got more absorbed in sports science through the degree. Um, I was taking a few local teams, under 12 teams, while I was at uni. So my first and second year, so took two separate teams, um, which, which I think massively helped me. Um, and then I managed to get a full-time sports science placement uh, between my second and third year at Southampton Football Club, which was which was you know mega really really important for me in terms of my development um, opened the door to me in terms of what professional football environment looks like um, really helped kind of shape my philosophies and my beliefs on a lot of things like that as well, which is great. and then uh, when I finished that year, went back to uni just wanted to get uni out of the way, get stuck into football really. so um, I was able to get a part-time job, uh, for my third year at uni at Barnsley as well which was great because it's just down the, the M1 um, so I was able to kind of finish my, my degree whilst working part-time at Barnsley um, graduated wanted to go do my master's because um, I could kind of see that was the way the, the industry was going um, so I actually left Barnsley went to go went to Salford uh, to do my master's um, in strength and conditioning which was actually a really really good course Paul Comfort's the course leader um knowledge for days so learn a lot on that that master's and, and definitely would recommend checking that out if anyone is thinking about doing a master's in S&C um and then got part-time jobs again so it was Blackburn ladies Blackburn Rovers ladies to start off with um and then after a season there went to Liverpool ladies and then after that is when we first met um in the hotel in Salford just down the road from me so it was like uh, it was ideal um and almost like a throwback as well Paul Bowles uh Presenting on the first meeting as well, my old boss from Barnsley at the time, so perfect. Um, And then the career kind of moved on really from then. After uh, Liverpool ladies, I managed to get a full-time role at um, at Knox County. Um, I was kind of part-time Liverpool ladies in kind of the lead uh, physical performance coach, they call it, for the RTCs in in women's football. Um, But also helping out and kind of just volunteering really with the first team. Um, in the WSL at the time, Olympic Ladies and Alan Jordan was the physical performance coach in charge there. Um, really useful again for my development, working in you know, WSL with, with elite footballers and really high level footballers, and you're picking up as much as you can all the time. But I needed, needed a full time role, full time wage. You know, I'd have graduated my master's at this point. I needed something that I could really kind of get my own um, teeth stuck into and put my own spin on things. Uh, landed the role at North County, which was which was a brilliant role for me, in terms of my development because it was um, lead academy sports scientist, and it was their first full time sports science role at the club and at the academy. Um, so it was blank canvas for me to just jump in and, and get stuck in. Um, and then it was a couple of months into that when we recorded the first the first podcast. Um, and I've got rights and wrongs there because I remember in the first podcast I was really excited and saying, looking forward to a great season with North County, and unfortunately um, the nature of football happens and, and things went the other way um club you know really struggled and kind of went bankrupt due to previous ownerships and, and it all kind of uh, went to pot really so um a very surreal experience for me a really big learning curve that you know that's what football contains um it was you know one of those where you're thinking here we go like the career's really kicking off A chance to get um blank canvas and really put my own stamp on things and the academy was seeing some great success in that season. I think we saw five lads sign pros. We sold Kia Matete to Spurs at the time. Was um, was doing really well now, I think, on Northampton Town. Um, the academy was flying. It was just the, the, the first team um, was struggling, unfortunately, but it was behind the scenes. The club was running out of money and, and, and kind of falling apart, which was unbeknownst to a lot of us at the time. Um so lo and behold, just a few few kind of months before the end of the season, the club went bankrupt. Um, it got really ugly, really fast. None of us staff players, no one was getting paid. So it was a case of, I need to try and save a career already. Um, quite short, was probably about um, four years into my career, if you want to call it that whole step I've just gone through there. And I was thinking, I didn't expect to be coming across this, certainly in academies. Um, you know, The whole club was was under threat. So it was a case of, what can I do now to, to help me and put food on the table, actually, at that point? Um, and fortunately, a brilliant role at Lincoln City came up. They were on kind of the opposite trajectory from Knott's from at the time, um, flying at the Football League and a great journey they'd had through the Cowleys. Um, so I had managed to get um, head of Academy of Sports Science at Lincoln City, which was, again, brilliant for me. It was the first time they'd had a full-time sports scientist role in charge for the Academy as well. So it was a chance to kind of bring all the good work I've done from Knott's County and saw some success with and trying to transfer that across and, and then also obviously mold it to the players at Lincoln different coaching styles and everything like that as well. So another brilliant role for me in my development um leading the department through you know audits and anyone who's ever been through an audit process knows how stringent they are and it does test you. Um so again really good and we saw success again we saw lads sign pros lots, some lads break through into the first team and then uh, then COVID hit and it all uh, again all went a bit crazy. Um furloughed for majority of 2020, came back off furlough, then had to go back on furlough because the financial implications of obviously the the pandemic were were huge on football. Certainly kind of uh, football league clubs really, really struggled um, when you haven't got, you know, Premier League money behind you. Um, Lincoln did really well uh, in terms of, you know, keeping afloat and and doing well, but unfortunately did have to make cuts. So, and then, uh, what was it? 2021, start of 2021. um, You can kind of see the rhymes on the wall. I was obviously on furlough, off furlough, and you know, it doesn't take a genius to kind of work out the next stage could be redundancies. You know, there was a lot of people, I think we know that unfortunately did also face redundancies at the time when the club was struggling. So I kind of thought, mm, this, this this could be the way it's going here. Um, fortunately, um, I'd set up a company um, in, in 2020, in Feb 2020, just before COVID became a thing. Um, with one day, the aim of maybe being a, that's something I can step into potentially being a side hustle for now. Um, little did I know that would end up being something that took a big, major role in my life. Um, when unfortunately the call came from Lincoln saying, you know, "We can't afford to keep you on." Um, it's a shame because their ambition in terms of doing everything right, of having a full-time sports scientist in place for a cat-free academy that doesn't necessarily need that in terms of the ETP um, guidelines. But you know, they wanted to do things right and do it properly. Um, but then obviously the financial implications meant they had to try and make cuts. But credit to Lincoln, they were, they were brilliant in terms of helping me out and, and being as good to me as they possibly could be. So I'm you know, forever grateful for that. Um, but whilst I could see that I was furloughed for a long time, I could see things, things could go that way in terms of redundancy, I was thinking, right, let's pour a bit of effort and a bit of love into the, the company, the physical performance coach. So I was getting the website sorted, the booking systems, you know, the, the marketing, the advertising stuff, all that, as you well know, all the kind of nuts and bolts behind the scenes that need to go into self-employed and being a company and that kind of stuff. So getting that all going. And then when Redundancy did eventually roll around and start of 2021, um, it was a case where I was actually able to kind of step into being self-employed, being independent and being private um, through the physical performance coach in a company that was kind of already ready to go. And it wasn't a case of oh no, what do I do now? It was much more of a, oh, here we go, right? We go for it now. We, we, we go in private, we are going self-employed, we're doing it. So yeah, I was working from then. Kind of started around April time, really took off around June, uh, May, June time, and it was really successful, really good summer. Um, and then actually was, was fully into that world and was really enjoying it and thinking this is you know a, a good success. It was a nice way of life work life balance was was really good um financially was rewarding as well um but then an opportunity came up to join afc Bournemouth um in November um and I had to take the chance I had to take the chance uh so now now that's where I am I uh, moved down south took the jump and uh and here we are in present day at the start of 2022 um at afc Bournemouth so uh yeah moved around the country a bit but finally settled right down the south coast
0: mate brilliant a proper real good breakdown as well of of all the sort of the the path and career path that you've gone through so far i mean tackling a global pandemic and a club that are in financial difficulties are hopefully two of the hardest things you're going to face in you in your career but (laughs) i've got to say though like we we spoke a lot along the way probably every sort of transition that you made in your career and the thing that comes across when you face any sort of adversity is how level-headed you are and how rational you look at things. And I think that's, that's just a bit of feedback from me that when people do face things, because uh, we're sort of saying it tongue-in-cheek, but that's real, isn't it? The, the podcast yeah. we did last time was a position where you thought maybe you could be there for years and um, you didn't know what was around the corner. We never yeah. do. Um, yeah. So the fact that you you dealt with things that the way you have is credit to you, and I think that that goes on and that proves why you've you've ended up in the opportunities that you have, and we'll dive into it in a little bit. But also why the company did as well as it did and as, yeah, as it's doing. Um, so let's let's go back a little bit, mate. So the, the decision to go private obviously came off the back of of COVID, um, yeah. but when you're actually thinking about that, I mean, you didn't have to do it. There would have been other yeah. options to seek other work in football or even just other yeah. work in general just to get by in that time. Yeah, what were some of the thoughts that you had? What were the thought processes of, of setting up in that time? The worries, some of the positives, some of the negatives that went through your head because I'm trying to think about other people that may be thinking about that same decision.
1: Yeah, good question. I think, I think the main thing for me was, um. I, I, it was kind of not forced, but it was all kind of pointing towards it anyway. Um, you know, when I first set up the company pre-COVID, literally just a month before COVID became a thing, um, it was with a view of, I know, I enjoyed just making players, athletes, people better. The, the goal for it was to help semi-pro lads and women and, and just people in general who... Maybe athletes who want to get better in terms of physical performance, but haven't got access to an S&C coach or a sports scientist because they're not a professional club. So that was why I set it up, because I could see that there was a lot of people out there that needed that support. Um, and I thought, oh, yeah, this could be a really good service. And then, obviously, as COVID was kicking on and it was furlough and it was, you know, redundancy was looming kind of quite large, it was a bit of a, well, actually, if everyone's going to do this, it's now. Um, you know, it would be... Be much harder to step away from a full-time role of my own choice when football you know it is a it, it takes up all your attention so the actual choice of stepping out from a full-time role of your own choice to then go into private work would probably be a bit more difficult so to have that force uh, that choice almost kind of this is what you, you either do this now or it doesn't come for a while I just thought sorry, let's do it um you know I think COVID put a lot of things into perspective for a lot of people Life is short. Um, Mm. It's it's shown us that for sure. Um, And, you know, it's one of those things you might regret decisions if you don't take the chance when they they crop up. So it was one of those, like, kind of natural timings that I kind of thought, this might be a good time. Um, I think as well, obviously, it was a bit... I was a little bit kind of, not bitter, bitter's not the word, but just disappointed with how the last three years had gone. Um, You know, put all that effort and graft into trying to force a path for yourself in football and professional football and you the accreditations the qualifications the experience you've gathered and everything that you're trying to get under your belt and and really trying to put your stamp on um, an academy or or squads that you're working with and developing players and then you know a a club goes bust on you uh, and then a global pandemic hits you know all in the space of three years um, all completely out of your hands it was kind of like well uh, you know, maybe me and football aren't meant to be together for for this foreseeable this future. Um, so and I think if you was a, you know, a horse in the Grand National, you were studying recent form, you just wouldn't be betting on me whatsoever. So <laughs> it, it it was a case of right, let's just reevaluate, let's just reassess, and obviously I think COVID gave us a lot of time to be thinking about what the future holds have a go and obviously furlough for a lot, lot of time you're thinking, right, what, what does the future hold for me here? If things are to go the way of redundancy. So it kind of, like I say, it was a bit of a natural progression and natural step to make, but I think I was a bit of like, right. Okay. So football isn't working for me at the minute. What can I do that can make, have an impact on, on local people, people around me that still want physical performance support. I just enjoy making, you know, athletes better, people better. Um, I can do that. I don't need a football club to do that. I can do that mm-hmm. off my own back. So let's try it now. If it works, it works. It doesn't, it doesn't. Um, I knew I could always try and get back into football. Um, but fortunately, it was a great success. And it was one of those things where I was like, I'm, I'm, you know, i will always look back and go, I'm really glad I did that because I've met some brilliant people and, and did achieve some great things and, and helped some people really through some tough times as well. So it was kind of a, you know, you look back and go, that was a massive uh, decision, but paid off. So very pleasing in that regard. Um, and I'm back at football. So <laughs> Well,
0: the the other thing on that is um like I I fully believe the the reason why it was successful in that time was the work you put into it. And you mentioned about that that time of uncertainty where you were furloughed, you didn't know when you were gonna be going back to the club, if you were gonna be going back to the club, you weren't sat with your feet up. That was at the time, the time when you were putting all the groundwork into yeah. this potential business, weren't you? You were doing all the work that if you needed to then transition into it, it was there, it was ready. It wasn't like yeah. suddenly they, they called you and you went, oh, God, it's, it's happening. You'd done the work. And I think that's yeah. a lesson for people listening is that, yes, you do have to, you mentioned before, that you have to write, make that decision and go, right, I'm going to put everything into it now. There will be that time, but at the same time, you can use the time available that you have that everyone has, it, whether we like it or not, to yeah. build these foundations and get things ready. And that's exactly what you did. And that, that again, is another takeaway from me, from how you went about it.
1: Yeah, I think, I think the thing, obviously, lockdown gave us so much time. So I never would have that. I, I know we say we do have time. You do have time in the week. But I was fortunate that I did have that time on my hands to really you know, give it a good go. I managed to get my bases accreditation done during lockdown as well, but um, I have no idea how I would have got that done if it wasn't for lockdown and trying to set up a company, kind of, you know, getting ready to go kind of thing. Um, but that that time to get stuff sorted is, I think, the advice I'd take. If you're in a position where you can choose to, to make a step into something else, you know, try and get as much done before you make that step. Because if you if you go, right, and it's almost like a split second decision. I'm making this step now, and then you've got to do it on the job. It's not gonna, it's not gonna be as successful. Hopefully, well, hopefully it is, but it might not be because you've got to kind of learn on on the job. I think even little things like just having a booking system in place and a website that's fully functional and works, you know, it means that from day one you can start handing out business cards and people can, you know, go and book you and, and sort stuff out straight away. Whereas if you're going, oh, hang on. Uh, Send me a text. I, I need to set up the website. It just it just doesn't work quite as well. And tra- that transition yeah. um, needs to be. You know, you will lose customers and things like that anyway if you are independent. So that time was on my hands. I was lucky that way. Um, but yeah, you're right. You know, I think working in football, uh, you're used to being busy. So then being in in lockdown, you're thinking, well, what can I do? Um, unfortunately, that was that was the way it went, and I did get everything sorted, and it made things easier. Um, you know fortunately i wasn't trying to complete netflix instead so <laughs> well exactly but
0: here. you joke that many people were so it yeah. was a time where it was either that productive time where you could get something like this set up or people were just sat with their feet up and you you did the opposite but when when you were when you had the company running um we obviously talked a lot you were getting yeah. probably. yeah busy like getting to the point of being maxed out in terms of how many people you could work with and looking at like scaling and all the rest of it yeah so it was obviously like a long-term vision that you had in your mind with the company so talk to us about um ending up at Bournemouth
1: yeah um yeah was a strange one It, it was one of them where it kind of came out of nowhere and the company was doing really well met some some brilliant people um like I said earlier and it was it was going well and it was kind of that I was at that point where I was a bit of a crossroads because I was kind of like right what's next like you said I was a bit maxed out in terms of I was thinking is this me now you know full week every week clients 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 um I was kind of at that point where it was like well, do I hire somebody I was then looking at the point where I'm like well I need a facility now You know, and I was starting to kind of investigate that possibility. Can I get my own gym space? You know, I had a brilliant gym to work. I was fortunate that literally on my doorstep, a brand new gym opened up and they wanted me to work out of there. And with had a great relationship with them. Just outside Nottingham, it it literally worked out perfectly. So that kind of, again, made the decision to to make the step a bit easier. Mm -hmm. Um, I was kind of at that point where I was like, well, actually, I want my own facility that's specific to, you know, strength and conditioning, physical performance. Um, and that'll be the next step um, Having said all of that, I think you know you don't spend you know, however many years it was since 2014 in in the world of professional football and elite environments um, you don't know, spend that long without thinking you know I, I enjoy this and one day I could go back there was always that bit of I'm never going to shut the door on football because i spent so long in the game in terms of Experience you would got, you know everything you had gone through. You didn't want that go to waste. So I, was ne- I knew I was never going to shut the door, um, and I knew I'd leave the door open to, to certain clubs. Um, and the right, if the right opportunity came along, I, would, I said to myself, I've got to consider it um, because I've seen that I can kind of step away from football and set a company up, and it can it can be a success. So if worst comes to worse, I can always try and do that again because I've, I've done it once. Hopefully, I can do it again if you know if things things fail um I think this is a strange strange thing with Bournemouth that in, in in 2018 just before I got the Knox County job um I applied there and interviewed there I got down to I think it was the last two out of hundreds of applicants that they would have had um and I remember at the time I missed out um I think actually somebody who's still at the club now uh and he was a previous previous intern there as well so he went internal which you know a lot of the roles do um I only found that out a couple of months ago actually since I joined. So it's like, oh, no way. But um, it, the good thing is it's better. Actually, I'm glad it happened out this way because I've joined with three years more experience in my belt. I'm a far better practitioner than I than I was back then. I can, you know, fully admit that. Um, but that was the one I remember back then, uh, you know, when I was trying to get the you know the roles, the really kind of career Kickstarter roles, if you want to call them that. Um the ones that you know you can really get your, your team stuck into. Um Bournemouth was one that, that really hurt the most um, when it was Ben Bradley, who's obviously been on the podcast um, as well, uh, he phones me up and says, no, sorry, not this time, you you be out on the day, just work with somebody else kind of thing. And, and I remember you know, putting the phone down, and I think I probably did cry at the time because it was like one of them where you had that many um, emotions riding on it, you're thinking, right, am I going to move all the way down, what's going to go on? And, and then just to, to fall short of the final hurdle, I was like, you know, really hurt that one. More than the other clubs that I would applied for, so I kind of I don't know why, but i always thought if that opportunity comes up again, I will I will think about Bournemouth. And I've always kind of known, in my opinion, they do things the right way. Really, kind of individualized approach within the entire academy. I know a lot of clubs um, try and do it, um, but you know Bournemouth and certainly David Johnson, a lot of work he's done with you know buy growth and maturation. Again, another guest on the podcast, um, and all the work he did in, in, in the role before me. Um, it's really set up the academy for, you know, really good sports science work and it's taken properly. It's it's a really serious um, part of the the academy. It's just done well throughout the club. So you kind of got that feeling from the interviews and things like that and the questions way back then. So I was always kind of like, if that opportunity comes up, I've got to go for it. Lo and behold, opportunity came up this time. And like I said, it was one of them where covid kind of put things in perspective if you don't take opportunities when they come up you know you know, you might look back in a few years and, and regret it like i said i'd, I'd come out of football I'd, I'd set up a company and it'd been successful so if worse comes to worse i can always do that again whereas an opportunity to join you know a big club a proper club um with you know proper sports science already established um it's one you can't really turn down so I had to take it really and 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 there we are. And that's why I took it. Um I think as well there were like frustrations, like I said earlier, that you know, football hadn't hadn't quite gone the way I would have liked. Um, you know, certainly from you know, a club going bust on you and then the global pandemic hit in, and there's just nothing you can do about those situations. Um, it was almost a, a chance to kind of for myself just to to right some wrongs, just that my own you know, satisfaction or my own kind of self belief that. I am good enough, I can do this. It's not me. You know, it wasn't my fault that these things happened. Um, you are still good enough to work in football, it wasn't your fault, kind of thing. So there's a little bit of that in a play as well. It's like this is an opportunity to join a massive club um that's already really well established. The academy is, you know, top notch, and Bradley's top notch, and a lot of the work that you know, um David's done as well. You know, I'm stepping into a role that you know a lot has already been established. So it's, it's brilliant for me. Had to had to go for it, um, you know, and I don't regret the decision at all. So yeah,
0: happy days. The, the reason I wanted to get you on to talk through this is I think there's so many lessons in in your short career so far yeah. for, for people <laughs> to listen to and just to <laughs> take into into context. And I think with this is thinking about how much work you put in behind the scenes, talking about like going back to what you said at the start, the, the work you did voluntary, going into all the different clubs that you did. Oh, you just mentioned going to interviews, not getting jobs, all that sort of stuff led into you then creating your own company and sort of shifting away from football, kind of knowing that you did want to go back in, but yeah. shifting your, your focus onto, onto something else. But it just shows that all that work at the start, those relationships you created, the network that you built, the knowledge that you that you built as well, it comes to fruition and, and it's funny sometimes, isn't it? How you take your focus off like the next job, the next job, the next job, and then the job comes around.
1: Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's weird. It like, like you say, it was it's one of them where I didn't expect to come back into football so quick. I thought I'm going to have a couple of years out and if the right opportunity comes along, it, it will. Like I say, it's just weird, something, you know, maybe I sound a bit wishy-washy believing in fate or whatever it is, but it was one of them things where you kind of like, okay, well, the stars kind of aligned a little bit in terms of stepping into the company. Like I said, a brand new gym, like literally brand new facility opens up on your doorstep. Pretty much the same time you're made redundant. You're like, well, okay, I've just set up a company. This is ideal. Um, you know, a, a club which you, you know, you really got close to and really poured your heart and soul into working way back when, um, you know, an opportunity to come up to join them. You're like, well, okay, yeah, you've got to. And um, so... Sometimes it is a bit of, you know, like you say, kind of plant the seeds and later on, hopefully it does come to fruition a little bit. Um, and, and the actual brilliant thing is, like you say, on networking, you know, we've had long conversations on how important it is. And that's why the network meetings are so good. and That's why I've been to so many. But um, I remember I reached out to Ben Bradley way back, um, way before I interviewed in 2018, um, just messaging him. I think they were running a, an MRes or, or a Masters placement opportunity or something along those lines. Um, I think I had just finished my master's at Salford. So I kind of messaged him and said, I know you're running the master's placement. I've just finished my master's. Can I still be considered, or do you need somebody to still be on the master's? Um, here's my CV if it helps you kind of get a better picture of me, kind of thing. Um, and he said, oh, Unfortunately, they do need to be a master's student, but thanks for getting in touch. Uh, you know, really you know, good luck, and, and your CV's impressive already. Keep working on that kind of thing. A brilliant piece of advice way back then Um, and just from establishing that link you know you never know that that probably helped me get that interview above certain of the people who Ben probably never spoke to before never met before I'll have to ask him but um, you know it's one of them where that link's already established even if it is just a few email you know correspondences it's just that's all it is and he's like oh yeah Johnny he's reached out before yeah you know what let's give him a shot let's give him an interview and then lo and behold that ends up you know for three four years down the line coming to fruition so it's one of them you know at the time when everything's falling apart in terms of the football world and you're thinking what's going on why is football not like me um you've almost got to have that level head like you say and just right bigger picture think of what's next take it baby steps for now Like what, what can I do now in the meantime and you never know like things might line up for you they might not you never know but like you say, if you can put the net, I think relationship building network it, it can literally open doors for you um, just from email correspondence, like I've just gone into there. Um, and you never know, like if you just reach out to people, we always say it, you know, get in touch with people if you can, You just never know what's going to lead you. So hopefully because, you know, younger people in, in, you know, starting out in their careers and they're a bit afraid I was there once. I know what it's like when you're a bit nervous to, research who's head of academy of sports science at a club and then try and find the LinkedIn and then message the LinkedIn it's a bit like oh I'm feeling a bit like that being I'm being that guy kind of thing or, or that girl or whoever it is a bit nerve-wracking it does feel a bit rubbish but if you do it you never know where it might lead you you've got nothing to lose and like I said life is short COVID put that into perspective for a lot of us um, just go it go for it <laughs> it's as simple as that like well, the worst you can do on online anybody. is ignore yeah.
0: you, is isn't it yeah so that, that's like what people have got to have in the hair. But um, the other thing with that is like yours was obviously like a direct um, contact with Ben that came back in, yeah. in the future. But there could also be like indirect, couldn't they? Where mm. Ben knew someone um, that was looking or whatever, and then you were the person that popped into the head, just for an example. So you just yeah. don't know where it's going to lead. Like I think creating those contacts, finding out different people, especially in your local area, yeah. Like it's it's a no-brainer, and it just takes a little bit of effort sometimes, doesn't it, for people to go yeah. out, put themselves out there a little bit.
1: And then that's it. Football's such a small world, as we know. Like everyone knows everyone. You know, you go to the UKSTA football conference and you can just sit around and literally look around the, the lunchroom and you go, Yeah, I know quite a lot of people in here. Mm-hmm. And not through, you know, going and you know, trying to sit down with them all the time, just from conferences, networking events, you know, you play them, you know, you forget that you meet a lot of SNC and sports science coaches, you not know, sports scientists, from just playing them when your team plays their team. I oh, have a quick chat, how's things at your club? You know, that kind of thing. Build those little relationships and it you never know. It's such a small world, like you say, somebody might say to somebody who says somebody and it it goes that way. So um that's yeah I mean that's why the network meetings you know you run so pivotal, I think certainly for people starting out just to try and get that Not exposure as such, but that networking opportunity to try and get get you in front of people. So, um, it's important. It is like I say, football is so small. If you've
0: not already checked out our online community, you're missing out on loads of great presentations and webinars from some of the brightest minds in football, but also in coaching and high performance in general. Um, We've just recently uploaded the presentation from our Salford City networking event by Professor Damien Hughes, who presented on Who Wants to Be a High Performer. That joins a long list of presentations available on the community. So come and join practitioners that have signed up recently from clubs like Runcorn Town, Carlisle United, Connors Key, Luton Town, Morecambe, Huddersfield, the Hong Kong Football Association, Chorley, Stoke City, and many others as well, all now members of our online community. To become a member, you can sign up for a free month by going to footballfitfed.com click the community tab, sign up there. That'll give you a free month on the community. After the free month, the good news is it's only £4.99 per month going forward. So go and claim your free month now by going to footballfitfed.com, clicking the community tab and signing up there. Let's get into part two of the podcast with Jordan Tyra. And what about uh, on reflection, some takeaways from working in in the private sector going back into football is there anything that you feel like any sort of skills you might have developed in that time or is there any any takeaways that sort of stand out for you that are helping you in your current role
1: yeah definitely um, like i said going going back to big behaviors for this but you know going going private was massive in my development even though I stepped away from football um, because when you're in a football club and you're working with so let's say on the 16 player um, you're their S&C coach or sports scientist or whoever um, you give them a the gym program. Typically they'll get on and do it. Not because, you know, they have, well, because they kind of have to, it's for their development. They know, they understand the drill. They know that if they do that, they will get better. Hmm. Um, when you're working privately, they don't care who you are. You know, if, if you're a private client, you can say, Oh, well, this is what I've done in the past. These are clubs I've been at. These are my experiences, my qualification. And they, they don't care really. If you don't seem like a likable guy, are they going to give you your hard earned cash to for them to train you kind of thing? And it's, it's like all the way around for you to train them rather oh, than be impressive. Um, you need to kind of be that that relationship builder straight away. Um, and I, I learned that. Luckily, I think that's something you just kind of naturally get from being you know, coaching squads and athletes day in day out. You do have to develop those relationships. Um, but when you're working with private clients and, and you know people who have kind of got in touch online and said, I've seen the services you're offering, can you give me a bit of a breakdown of your prices, your, you know, what your, you know, what your availability is like, you've then got to give them the sell. And that's something you don't really have to do for players in, in, in academies or in first team environments because they know, well, if I do this, I could get better. It's slightly different in first team environments, granted, you know, if you've got a 36-year-old pro who's always done it his way, he might need convincing a little bit. Um, but under 14, under 16, whoever, they're probably just going to crack on. So those skills became even, I had to hone those even more in terms of, you know, getting people on, onto your way of thinking and seeing the benefit of stuff you're trying to, trying to do with them. Um, actually also, it was a great opportunity for me to, to work with a few different um, sports that I hadn't worked for a long long time. I hadn't worked with different sports as well as back at uni and doing s with the uni teams at Leeds. Um, so I was working with a, a pretty good level golfer, you know, completely different physical demands to, to football. Um, and actually one of the, the biggest challenges for me, I don't, he won't mind me sharing it, the, the client came to me, um, 49 years old. He was ex, still played a good level of water polo. represented England in the Commonwealth Games, 2006, I think it was, uh, for water polo. Um, 49, dad, uh, two two kids. Um, and also we're going to have open heart surgery in, in summer. And about two months before he came to me, so listen, I'm, over, I'm having open heart surgery sometime in the near future. We haven't got a date yet. I want to get in the best shape possible so that on the you know the post op side, I can kind of get back to doing it what I love as quick as possible. You know, only thinking bloody hell, this is a bit different from you know getting players <laughs> to run around a pitch faster. Um, you know, obviously we want to we want to get you you know. Fit and strong as possible, but I also don't want to kill you. You <laughs> are going to be having a valve replacement and open heart surgery, so you know that it, you, your programming becomes slightly different. shall we say it is so? You know, big, big challenges like that, and and you know, fortunately, it all went really, really well. Um, so well, actually, that he he, um, he had his tests and things again, and the consultants were, were looking at him. And they actually pushed his update back because he'd got in such better shape It's actually probably not that priority anymore, um, which he was a bit annoyed about. So. Um, But eventually he got he got his up and he was you know fit as a fiddle straight after pretty much and he was around walking you know walking around the wards annoying all the nurses pretty much straight away so um, that and that was great but you know it's a funny story and it's a great you know look at the work we did and he was brilliant and everything but um, more than that it was the relationship like he's a friend for life a lot of the people that you know um, I trained his wife his neighbours like I know that family quite well now um because it was a massive massive emotional time for them as you can imagine you know father of two loving husbands going into open heart surgeries risks involved it's a it's a it's an emotional time so i was still training training his wife at the same time and those you know sessions with with her became um almost like therapy and just checking she's okay so you know like I said, cope a lot of things in perspective, actually working privately and working kind of independently from football, put other things into perspective as well. In that, you know, people do require our services. We think if you work in professional football, if you work in, you know, elite environments, we're pretty good at, at getting the human body better in terms of their performance. We, we, we know that that's our education, our experience, and our qualifications, but we can have an outreach to. to Bigger populations, if ever we, we do want to go that way. Um, I think it's a big bugbear of mine. Uh, and, and granted, I always like it when I was younger. I was thinking, I oh, know I only want to work with elite performers, you know, I only want to work with elite athletes. Um, but like I've just shown, like there are people out there who massively will benefit from from our expertise as a cohort and as a peer group. So, you know, those experiences massively helped me kind of put a lot of things into perspective. They helped my skill set. Um, the way I approach things, where I think things are slightly different and certainly improved. Um, the caveat to all of that and everything I've said is that I could feel that there were certain skills that you know you can't develop unless you're in a football environment. You know, working with a squad of athletes day in and day out, that can't really be replaced. Obviously, working one to one or in small groups. You know, but I was working with a couple of a couple of semi pro lads on you know doing on pitch sessions with them, but you know it was kind of three or four at a time. It's not the same as working with a squad of players. So those those skills which, which obviously you hone over the years, I could just feel them starting to rust up a bit because I just hadn't been able to do them for you know months at a time, um, and I think that was part of me where I was thinking uh, these skills have you know been developed for I since 2014 when I was kind of started getting involved in professional football. I can't let these go to waste. I don't want these to go to waste because it's such a demanding environment and it does require a lot from you. So if you've got used to performing at those levels and making sure that you're on it day in, day out for you know squads of athletes, if that level drops off, it's going to be tough to get back. So there was always, that's why that kind of door was always kept open for football, thinking I don't want to let those skills go to waste. So the, I, I don't regret stepping away from, from football for those the best part of a year um, at all, because like I say, it taught me loads and, and I'm a better practitioner for it 100%. Um, and I, I would advise people, you know, if people are thinking of stepping away from football or, or professional sport, if they're in a bit of a rut and they're struggling a little bit, have a little think of what, you know, what else is out there because there are opportunities out there. Like I said, there are people out there who do require our services. Um, and you'll probably find you'll become a better practitioner for it if you do want to come back into, into an elite environment. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's one of them where. I'd definitely give it a go, but obviously I'd say to people, give it a go, but it was it was a, a success for me. Um, and I do feel like I've benefited massively from it now and working back with, with players. Now that I know that, you know, all my squads are going to have open heart surgery in a few, few weeks, it, it makes, you can kind of breathe a bit easier. So yeah, <laughs> it's one of them really.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. And I wanted to bring it back to sort of present day. So, and talk about the approach, because obviously, Anyone that's heard David Johnson speak will know the sort of quality of practitioner that was in that role before you. So it's not like previous roles that you've been into where you've been in and there's been a clean slate. There's been, there's been a program and a good program in place before that you've gone into the role, but what's been your approach going into, into the club Like, what are some of the initial sort of changes that you might have made or what's, what's the approach you've taken?
1: Yeah, it's, it's been really different, and it, it's not just David. Obviously, Ben and you know, if you listen back to his his podcast, the, the the setup here is really good. The program in place is really good. The movement matrix that we've got, you know, all the players. I was impressed straight away, and you know, I'm looking at you know, under tens that can overhead squat, um, you know, and you kind of like this is this is impressive. Like the, just the, the level of, of physical literacy, if you want to call it that, throughout the academy. You know, is is stellar, and that's credit to Bentors. He's been at the club for for a long, long time, so he's been able to implement those changes, and then all of David's work on top of it in terms so of the growth and maturation. Um, you know, like I say, it's just it's just taken to the next level in terms of the individualized approach of players, and just knowing that every player is going to get looked after for their needs. We know pretty much all the time when they're approaching gross spurts, when they need slightly different stimulus to to somebody else, etc. So to answer your question I knew going in there's already a very good um you know sports science set up here um very very different like you say to to previous clubs where it was a clean slate so the first thing I kind of said to myself um I was was nervous going going back into football because obviously it had been a few months and um I knew I was going into a big club with all these things set up so the first thing I kind of said to myself was just just listen first listen and watch like Changes don't need to, to be made overnight for the sake of making changes. You know, you, you see it all the time, any walk of life, a new manager comes in, a new somebody else comes in, or whoever it is, there's sometimes you feel like you've got to stamp your authority on it just to make change for us, making changes sake. Um, whereas I don't think that's the case. There's a few little things, that, you know, you just have done differently from different backgrounds. You oh, could potentially, you know, contribute to that. Um, but I think hopefully... My background of obviously being in a in a a lower league club where facilities aren't as good as Bournemouth, they you know set up in terms of the staffing structure isn't as good as Bournemouth. You know sometimes when it's yourself looking after all the age groups throughout an academy, um, you know it be that twenty threes all the way down to in the nines. You know you're seeing all the the age groups in a day. There are periods in North County when um, staffing changes in the first team, and you have to step up to the first team and step in for those as well. So. You know, there were times where you literally saw every age group in the football club, including the first team, in, in, in the same day, in the same week, you know, in the same space of a few days. So that doesn't happen at, at many clubs. You know, typically it happens at the, the smaller clubs that haven't got the staff instructions in place of the slightly larger ones. Um, but those environments create skills that you sink or swim. You know, you, you've got to produce results, even though your hands are sometimes tied behind your back, kind of thing. That's how it sometimes feels. So, I certainly feel like I'm a very resourceful practitioner, given the fact that I've spent a good few years in, in those kind of environments. Um, and any little challenge, you can kind of deal with it. Um, even if some people might look at that, if they've not spent that time in that environment, they might think, oh, this is, you know, oh, this is a big problem. Well, actually it's not that big a problem to somebody from coming from a slightly different background. And that's just, you know, that's just how our life works. Everyone looks at a, a situation differently. So um I think we've got a great setup and then hopefully I can contribute towards it. I think I can. There's lots so that I think um, as a club will achieve going forward. This, like I said, the sports science setup there already is, is, is phenomenal. So um, David set up all the great maturation work for me. I, obviously, he was at the, um, he was at the uh, presentation as well late in Orion, so I had a good ca- catch-up and a good chat with him. I had to have a few uh, subsequent Teams calls and Zoom calls to try and work out some of his spreadsheets, just so I could uh, (laughs) find out where the V lookups were and and all the data sheets and where the data was coming from, Um, but we got there in the end, um, so thanks to David for that one, Um, but it's one of those where, first and foremost, I just needed to listen and see what's in place, and it was slightly different for me because, like you say, when you go in a clean slate, it's like, hit the ground running we need to get these things in place, the priorities in terms of like a movement matrix, you know, the a teams need a periodized programme straight away if they've never had it before. You need to look at what the foundation phase is doing, the YDP phase, you need to look at like an age group structure um, in terms of their physical literacy and their physical prep, like what are they doing, um, you know, an even training, if they're doing day release, what are they doing? So there are certain things you've got to install straight away when you go into a club as a clean slate, obviously they're already well installed, and, you know, thriving at Bournemouth so you go in and you go right I don't need to try and you know bish bash bash right? this is what I think we need to do you can just listen and watch so it was actually you know I said to Ben um before Christmas I was saying you know please tell me you know if you if you feel like I'm stepping on people's toes I'm trying to be as conservative as possible and I'm just trying to find out when's good to try and implement something or try and bring something in um, um, just have also have that skill to, to appreciate that's really good, that doesn't need changing. Um, yeah. which is a nice, hey, that's a good thing. If you go into a club and you can look at, you know, what's already in place and going, that doesn't need changing. That makes your A, your life easier, but also means that you know the sports science provision um is probably pretty, pretty bang on already. So it's just a case of trying to add to what's already there now, um, rather than trying to start from the ground up and build, build up. Um, on so that though, Jordan, I think, I think
0: that comes, and this is probably ties in with the whole thing you're saying about the club, that comes from being in an environment where y- you've got that backing and you've got that trust, isn't it? Because you mm-hmm. don't have to go in and you don't have to sort of prove yourself. Like Obviously, you have yeah. to prove yourself in, in your job, but what I mean is you don't have to go in and, like you say, gung-ho and make load of changes. You're going in removing emotion, removing ego out the situation a little bit more, looking yeah. at it a bit more rationally. And that allows you to then say, doesn't it, that that is, that's good. Like, let's, let's yeah. carry on with that. I think I can still that's impact, it. but I'm not going to touch that. I'm going to focus a bit more on this.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's, that's difficult at times because football is, let's face it, there's egos flying around in football, left, right, center. Um, but that, like you say, it's the trust. And what helps massively, you know, if you listen back to, to Ben's podcast, um, which I, I happened to do a few, few weeks ago, actually, just doing a lot of driving over Christmas time. You listen to podcasts, don't you? So, but, oh, I, I haven't listened to Ben for a while. Let's listen to it. It's now seen as our, our now, you know, he's now my line manager. Might as well. Um, <laughs> and uh, he's talking about integration of the coaches and the coaching staff. Uh, and that's a massive part of it. Um, you know, in certain environments and certain clubs, sometimes sports scientists can feel like they're banging it against a brick wall sometimes. You know, you're trying to get coaches to just listen and implement just basic changes in terms of sports science, what, uh, Warm, if we're really fortunate the coaches are very receptive to a lot of it already um you know we can have really kind of in-depth sports science bracket is, sports science conversations with the coaches we can be part of planning the sessions we can be literally talking about physical outcomes of the day and what we're trying to achieve in terms of numbers um loading patterns etc throughout the week so th- that integration that ben really spoke about and really kind of hit home was, was is already there so that trust is already there so you know, sometimes when you go in to so my previous roles, when I went in and, you know, it was the first time they'd had a full time sports scientist in place, it, it's almost, you might not have been the case, but you almost think the pressure's on your shoulders to kind of go, these people are now looking at me going, well, go on then, off you go. Like, we've not had a we've not had one of you before. What can you do, kind of thing? Mm. Um, and so there is that pressure. You, you've almost got to implement change for implement, implementing change's sake almost because people are expecting it. Um, whereas, like you say, if you can go in and go, well, actually, there's already really good things here, I'm just going to take a step back and just kind of get to grips with what's what's already in place and just take, like you say, take ego out of it, which say hey, that's difficult, you know, that is that is something that we, you know, we all have to try and do at times, and you know, it's not the easiest thing, I will admit that. I okay, occasionally mine gets better, and that's just mm-hmm. that's just human nature, unfortunately. But, um, it's one of those things where you just got to be rational thinking, and I think. Going back to your previous questions in terms of, you know, redundancies looming large, what can I do next in life? Like career kind of might be taking a big, you know, halt for a second in football. What's coming next? You've got to think rationally because if you think unrationally um, or irrationally rather um, and you kind of start panicking, you start making rash decisions, you know, it's not going to be good. So that certainly helped me with that. Um and, and, and probably so where I've gone into this role now and I'm, I'm almost trying not to make changes because it's kind of like, well, I don't want to undo any good work that's already here. And that does take a skill, like I said, to take your ego away, take your arrogance away and to think, well, actually, let's just, let's just assess the situation and go from there. So um, it, it, hey, anyone going into that environment, it is, it is a challenge because we all do want to feel valued. We all do want to prove ourselves. We all do feel the pressure. Um, but sometimes... You know by not making you know loads of noise and loads of impact you can actually have a better impact than doing the around so hopefully that's that's the way it's going yeah definitely. <laughs> it's, all it's all going all the other way yeah
0: no that's brilliant mate awesome let's um let's just finish up with some of the questions that we the quick fire questions that we finish each podcast with so we didn't do this way back on episode nine so these will be yeah. new for you um, 160
1: episodes later yeah <laughs> that's
0: it So, <laughs> um, first of all who are some of the biggest influences on your career so far just to pick out a few names oh, it's, yeah
1: it's a, it's a massive one there. Um, I think I, I mean I could touch on it I've got to be I, I'm always going to be thankful to Alex Gross at Southampton he gave me the, the placement opportunity there which kind of kickstarted everything and he was also my reviewer for my bases accreditation and got that all done in a, in a busy Christmas period. Um, so I'm always thankful for that because I know football over Christmas could be absolutely hectic. So, yeah, certainly um, always big thanks go out to there, um, to Southampton and to Alex. And I think, um, I'd say Wayne as well, Wayne Richardson. We know both know Wayne really well. Um, just before I was going private and independent, I, I reached out to him and, and I wanted to kind of get his thoughts on things, and, you know. We know Wayne is very busy. We know he's got clients coming out of his ears, but he still, you know, still takes time to have a, you know, an in in-depth hour, hour and a half, hour long, it was conversation with you and, and give you absolute, you know, um, golden advice. So, big thanks to him, and um, and certainly after the late Orient, uh presentation with, with, with you guys down south, um, it was one of those where. You do reflect, you know, you, you're talking about, you know, careers and things and, and you kind of realise actually, you know, yeah, Wayne, Wayne big influence there and kind of give me the confidence to kind of take that step in. So, yeah, big thanks to Wayne um, as well. And there's just a lot of other coaches as well that you've worked with all the time. Um, people, actually technical coaches as well. Tom Shaw, who's now Games for Trinity manager. Um, he was Lincoln under 18s manager as well. Um, brilliant coach, one of the best I've worked with. um really receptive to sports science. It's one of those where, you know, it opens more doors when you've got coaches on board with your ideas, you can start to implement things in, in sessions that you never thought you could. So yeah, really thankful to, to Tom as well. So oh, I could go on, but I'll, I'll leave it those three for now. Hey, <laughs> yourself as well. Listen, you've been, you've been a sounding board oh, for me, man. you know, we've had loads of conversations. So uh, yeah, you definitely get an honour mention there as well.
0: <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Um, what would you say your biggest strength is as a practitioner?
1: I think i said it a little bit already. It's, it's probably just relationships. You know, you, you've said this, this, this industry is really, really important, but I think the company wouldn't have, have gone as well as it did if, if I wasn't able to, to form those relationships. And like I say, I've got lasting relationships now with, with some of the clients that, you know, I helped through, certainly, and you know, the fellow heart surgery you know that's a friend for life kind of thing and I'll always check in with him and see how he's doing um and that just comes from relationships building you know you, you you've got again remove ego from it no one so sometimes you know a lot of people don't care who you are where you've been what you've done already um if you act like a, a not very nice person I was going to say something a lot, lot worse then but if you act like a not very nice person um you know then people aren't going to like you you're not going to get the best out of them um and I've forgotten who said it I think it was the you know can you can you be somebody that you go down go down the pub with and have a pint with um I my really, I, that's it yeah my boy yeah I really bought into that because it's like well that's just that's just life isn't it you know you, you don't want to hang around with people that you you don't like so make sure you can build relationships and I think that's something I've certainly you know I try to deprive to myself on um not always works but um, i think majority of times it, it does and certainly helps with players and they get buy and coaches and get buying et cetera which makes you makes your job a lot more easy and, and gets you know more fruitful relationships and performances out of it as well so brilliant. Yeah. and then just finally
0: what is your approach to cpd so is it continuing development as a coach like yeah. what's your sort of a, approach to that
1: yeah oh great question um fortunately now being back in Back in club football, uh, Bournemouth, we've got a really good internal CPD um, structure. Like every Wednesday, somebody from the sports science and medicine department, will, you know, will, will present on a, on a topic. Um, we'll always try and choose a, a relevant topic as well for us, um, injuries or performance, you know, sleep-related stuff. We've had quite a few already, which is great in my time. So that's that's brilliant. Obviously, that helps you just tick over. Audio books is a is an easy one. I spoke a little bit about a few books um, from. From my time when I was um, self-employed and had a bit more time on my hands than full-time football. Go on, drop some um, of the names in there, Jordan. And what, what what yeah? A 20, uh, the one I spoke about at the, the, the network meeting was 25 irrefutable laws of leadership. Um, that's a really good little audio book. Um, and somebody actually who I met during my time um, working independent kind of recommended that one to me as well. So I'm always thankful for that because it's just a good book to follow some of the you know the, the key leaders. Um, throughout history, in terms of big tech companies, you know, car companies, whatever it is, um, and their approach to leadership, because you know there are many styles of leadership. So just trying to just trying to pick little things like that really really help. Um, another one that I think I mentioned there as well is called I "Never Split the Difference." It's called Chris Voss. I think it's, it's written by. Um, that's an interesting one actually. He was a lead FBI in, um, negotiator for hostages, and a really strange sounds completely irrelevant to football and. and performance and all this kind of stuff but in terms of um some of the messages in terms of communication and how you communicate obviously if you're a hostage negotiator it's quite important um (laughs) and if you can if you can pick up some tips from you know people that can communicate in life and death situations and and how you can build relationships through how you communicate that that really helps so um i'm i'm a very yeah as i know you are as well when you drive in that's your that's your dead time you make calls you listen to podcasts you listen to audiobooks that's I think the easiest way to, to do that nowadays. Um, and I, I mean, must admit as well, during lockdown, uh, I was able to get quite a lot of my bases accreditation was done um, through that. And that was great. CPD. I mean, that was great. My like, reflection, The bases pathway is very good on that. It's all yeah. about reflection and reflecting on practice and that helps massively. And you kind of go, all right, okay. So when, you know, hopefully lockdown's over, I can come back and step into it. So yeah, really helpful. But um yeah, it's just trying to pick up any information when and when and when it's possible really isn't it and i know, you know like we said at the start you have got time um, and this is why twitter is so good so many resources on twitter mm. um you know people share even if they're completely irrelevant um i picked up some really good little um website tips and things from you know people who are just share in free threads that uh, free threads and yeah twitter threads and things like that i'd say that um on Twitter on you know how to you know create a, a good kind of standout website and things like that. So use Twitter. Like if, if you're if you're not you know using these free resources then you know what are you doing kind of thing like it's free to you you might as well and YouTube like Jesus you can learn so much of YouTube. Yeah, so definitely um but so see go off there as well. But then obviously I can't I can't not mention yeah you know Football Games Federation um the network meetings I'm glad they're up and running again um post Post-COVID and lockdowns and things. So long may they continue. I'll certainly try and get to as many as I can. A little bit further uh, now I'm down here and down South Coast. And um, Midlands is quite easy to access everywhere. It's not quite the same <laughs> when You're, you're right on, on the South Coast of Dorset, but I will try and get to as many as I can. So, so yeah, that's the future, hopefully.
0: Brill. Awesome, mate. And just a seamless link on the whole, whole Twitter side of things at JordanTyron92 and at Fizz Performance PH. Ys performance both your yeah. um accounts on Twitter. What's the yeah. Instagram one?
1: Um the easiest one is um if you just search for the physical performance coach, it's the easiest way to get the Instagram, Instagram link. Um on there I haven't been very active on there, admittedly, recently, obviously since joining joining Bournemouth. So um you won't probably find much recent content on there, but there is there is a little bit. Um but if you want to reach out, uh yeah, Twitter's the best place. It's Jordan at John Tyronight too. That's not someone the one I'm always checking. Things on and, and laughing at things and making sure not to like things like that. So uh, yeah, natural and night is the easiest one. Perfect, mate.
0: Well, thanks a lot for coming back on. It's not going to be another hundred and however many episodes <laughs> until the next one. I can guarantee that. Um, let's say it's going to be before episode two hundred without doubt. We'll get we'll get the the hat trick in there.
1: Nice. Well, hopefully I've not moved. Like <laughs> this is the, the you know, I'm sick and tired of moving around the country now. So I want to stay down here for as long as possible. So yeah. No, it'd be good to catch up and just see what's um what's been put into place as well.
0: So let's definitely pencil pencil something in for that third one. Yeah. Sounds
1: good. Sounds good to me.
0: Awesome, mate. Jordan, thanks a lot. And it's great to see no, you doing to down there, mate. Top
1: man. Yeah, much appreciated. Speak to you soon. Cheers, Jordan.
0: Thanks for listening to episode 169 and big thanks to Jordan for coming back on the podcast. It's been far too long since we got back on and I'm not going to be leaving it as long as that for the next episode. So let us know what you think of the episode, drop us a message, give us a little share on Instagram, on Twitter, Um, every little helps with that and go and give Jordan a follow. He's at jordantyra92 over on Twitter and you can follow his business page at P. H Y S performance uh, for the physical physical performance coach page over on Twitter and Instagram as well. Um, I mentioned in the podcast that I think one of the big things I take away from speaking to Jordan and knowing how he approaches situations when challenges come up is how level-headed how level-headed he is and how rational he is with his decisions. Um, that's something that, that stands out for me straight away going through um, clubs in financial difficulties and a global pandemic. These are things that hopefully only come up once, if if ever, in a career. Um, and he's managed to handle it. And he always manages to come out in a better situation. And that's no fluke. That's through hard work. And that's through all the groundwork that he's put into it beforehand. He spoke about there being a big learning curve at Knots, And I think that sort of ties in that he... We've spoke about reflection a lot on the podcast. I think this is... Um, the definition of it, Jordan, sort of reflecting on what he's learned from those situations and also the fact that when you go through those situations, you grow a lot as a practitioner. And um, I remember speaking to Dave Caroline actually on the podcast quite a while ago and he was speaking about all the lessons from working at, at lower league clubs. Um, so when he is in a club that have a few more facilities and things like that, you, you take those lessons and you the, how adaptable you had to be back then. Um, It helps you out later on in your career. Um, He spoke about having his hand forced, obviously, going into the private sector, but I think he did, but then he took the opportunity. He spoke about the gym opening up on his doorstep, which obviously is an opportunity. He still had to go and do it and take it and and, um, put everything into it, which I know that he did. Um, He spoke about not undervaluing the links that you form throughout your career. And I think sometimes it's worth going out, getting uncomfortable and having conversations with people that you might not want at that time, but you never know where they're going to lead to in the future. Um, He spoke about the level of physical literacy at Bournemouth, which I know he referenced the podcast with Ben Bradley. And obviously when David was on the podcast, David Johnson as well, there's obviously some great work being done down at that club. And um, also, I think it's a skill to go into a situation like that and recognise the good work that's being done and then also see where you fit, see where you can impact. You don't have to make changes um, and go in gung-ho and and start changing everything straight away. Recognising good work, I think, is a key skill. So some of my takeaways from Jordan, obviously just knowing him, but also from the podcast as well. So it'd be great to hear from you guys. Let us know what you think of the podcast and please keep supporting us. Um, And I really look forward to speaking to you again in episode 170.